This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hey everyone, thanks so much for checking out Health Yeah, your prescription for clear and concise medical health and wellness info. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a weekly dose of some timely health topics. I'm Monica Robbins, and recently I had the chance to chat with Dr. Grace McComsey. She's the Vice President of Research and Chief Science Officer at University Hospitals in Cleveland. Currently, she and her team are conducting about 200 clinical trials on potential treatments for COVID-19. Some you've probably heard of, and some you might have wondered, whatever happened to that one? Also, she always gives me great insight into basic stuff you can keep in your medicine cabinet that may actually help you if you do get COVID. And the best part? She's done the research on it. So listen in as we talk about ivermectin, convalescent plasma, monoclonal antibodies, and newer therapies being studied. And of course, those vitamins you want to be popping. I have been getting a lot of questions about ivermectin. What is it? And why should or shouldn't it be used to treat COVID patients? You know, interestingly, I think this is an example of something that may end up working down the road, but people are taking a glimpse of hope, right? A small study that shows some mild effect and saying, that's it, this is it, that's what I'm gonna take. So all I can say, there are so many studies ongoing with ivermectin that will tell us if it works or not. So far, whether FDA, NIH are saying, we don't know yet, like, you know, cool it down a little bit. That's why research is important. So this is a drug that pretty safe. It's an anti-parasitic drug, so it's for parasites. Uh, But I think the appeal of it is cheap overall, and it's available globally everywhere, you know, in the world, whether Africa or Asia, it's very available. So people want something that they know they've used for other indications. All we have is lab data telling us that it seems to help and small studies, you know, not definite studies. And this is why the NIH is warning people, please don't use it yet. We don't know if it works or not. And unfortunately, we've, we've seen that for COVID. I think every time you have an illness, people are scared. They want to do something. So sometimes they push their physicians to prescribe anything that may work, you know, just because one small study showed it to work. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really concerning, actually, to take one study and say, this is it. We know the answer. And that's what's happening with ivermectin. Why this? Why well, are you I seeing this? Because, I, you know, I'm getting messages on the big media. I'm getting emails. You know, because the president was pushing why this it. drug? But this I know one, why is this getting so much attention? Was the See, I big think it's talker, you know, because the president was pushing it. But this one, why is this getting so much attention? See, I think it's very similar. Countries that have malaria, you know, no I think it was like a cheap drug. People feel that more comfortable countries saying, that have malaria, malaria you know, it's know about, I want it. So I think it's the global appeal, the inexpensive, being available everywhere that make people feel comfortable about that drug. And they want it before the data is available. And I think that's concerning always. That's why there is research, right? Research is important because it will clarify 
if it's really effective and if it's safe to take. Because now we don't know how much to give. Do you give one dose? Do you give, you know, multiple doses? How much? We don't know yet. We have a new study that we just launched for an oral agent called Upamastat. It's a weird name, but uh, it's a drug that in the lab really showed strong efficacy. It's an antiviral. So it inhibits the entry of the virus into the cell. It inhibits the replication of the virus and importantly, protect the tissues from the damaging effect of the virus. So if you have like pneumonia, it protects the tissues. So it's a once a day pill. So we have other things other than ivermectin that in my opinion, opinion of our investigators look way better than ivermectin. There was a, a study that just came out in the New England Journal of Medicine about some arthritis drugs that yes. may be able to reduce mortality and time in the ICU. Yeah. What's your thought on those? So that's tocilizumab. It's, a, it's an arthritis drug. I myself actually was a, a PI, principal investigator on two of those studies with tocilizumab. Our results are still pending. We just closed the data. So, so we'll know more. Um, you know, there was a decrease, 8% decrease in mortality. I mean, is it, you know, a, a splash, a, a great advance? No, but we figure it should work because it dampens inflammation. And now one thing is clear is that anything that affects inflammation seem to work. So whether it's colchicine that dampen inflammation seem to have some effect, but again, an 8% decrease in mortality is statistically significant. So they can say that, yes, it works, but it's not this major effect. It does have an effect, successful, but not, not that major as much as we want it to so far. You and I talked several times about monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. And now reports are coming out that a lot of those treatments are just sitting on the shelf. Is that happening here? And why or why not? Yeah, we're given it. I mean, it's, it's not like we forgot about them. But, you know, people want some oral drug. You know, if I have COVID and I feel so bad, I just want something oral. You know, just give me some pill that I can use. I can stay home. I don't want to come, you know, every day for a study at the hospital. So those monoclonal antibodies uh, and the other concern is now with the new strains, whether the South African, the Brazilian, those two that I mentioned seem to be the worst strains. And some of the older monoclonal antibodies don't work on them. So now we have to worry about that piece. So that's why it's better to go the route of antivirals. So it hits the virus itself. Those usually are better because even when the virus mutates a little bit, Overall, they remain effective. So that's why we're doing the studies with the oral antiviral, uh, because we think it's a better way to go. Why is it so hard to develop antivirals and you know, get them to market? Because if they were so easy, wouldn't we have had a lot more of them a lot sooner relating to flu? Of course. I mean, of course, flu, always viral illnesses. Think about it. HIV, from HIV to, uh, to, uh, to the common cold. I mean, even common cold, right? If we had a treatment for common cold, that will be a big splash in the market because everybody would want it. Even common cold, we don't want to suffer with common cold, but viruses are very tricky. It's hard to have antiviral. 
usually uh, like Tamiflu, for example, right? It's a, it's a flu antiviral against influenza. What does it do? If you take it too early, it decreases the duration of the illness. So, you know, we're happy with it. If you have flu, I don't want to have flu, you know, even cutting a day or two is significant, but it doesn't cure it. It's not like bacterial infection where you take an antibiotic day later, you may be just fine. Uh, viruses are different. Antivirals do not just kill the virus because it's already in your body. So it inhibits its replication, but it takes few days before you go back to feeling normal usually, even after a successful antiviral. Antibodies and, and plasma. Um, yeah. Is there any hope for that? Or because I'm, you know, I've had a number of people tell me they had COVID, they went to the Red Cross to donate and they were told, you know what, we're good. Yeah, I think because it, uh, the results are not as good as we hoped for, right? Uh, initially, it seemed like a good idea. You get convalescent plasma, you know, you clear it, you put it in people's blood, it fights the infection. Results have not been as encouraging. And I know that some people had COVID and had that treatment and they say, oh, it saved my life. Well, I have a problem with that. That's why research is needed because some people never progress anyway, right? Some people just have a headache and a little bit like flu-like symptoms and they do fine. So how do you know that the treatment is what did it versus just your immune system fighting the virus? So I, I don't think that they're as good as we hoped for. When we spoke last, you talked to me about uh, vitamin D and vitamin C and also zinc. Right. Some new studies have come out. Where are we on all of that? Because that's something that everybody can put in their medicine cabinet and take. So is it useful? Well, so we finished this study here that we just submitted for publication. So I'm just going to give you, I can give you much more after it's published, but the gist of it, a study that we did at UH, I did myself as the study chair, uh, showed that when you come, when you, when you have COVID, when you're diagnosed with COVID, vitamin D and another vitamin called vitamin K2, those two vitamins, the levels in your blood was a major factor into how you're gonna react to COVID. In other words, if you had low vitamin D, and or low vitamin K. So both of them had independent effect. You're more likely to end up in the intensive care unit or dead versus much milder disease. So you can imagine it's pretty actually interesting data. So the skeptics, you know, and a lot of physicians are skeptical about vitamins, right? They like the shots, you know, big side effect. And they don't like vitamins. They, they think like, ah, it's just a vitamin. But so what do they do? They use data from vitamin D studies, for example, that gave one dose of vitamin D when people come to the hospital with COVID and said, see, it didn't do anything. Well, that's a different scenario. What, I, what I'm talking about with our study at UH is having a good vitamin D, good vitamin K2 level before you have COVID. Like take care of yourself before you have it. Once you have COVID, yes, they may not work if you supplement with those. But before you have COVID is the time to do it and get your levels in good shape so that when you have COVID, 
or the next big virus, right? This is not going to be the last one. When you have the next big virus, you're already protected and have the best immune system possible. So that's why I'm excited about that study. And uh, I, I could tell you way more about it after it's published, but it's, it's really exciting that you can do something preemptively in this fight against COVID, not just wait until you get sick and then try to take vitamin, but it's too late, you have COVID already. So, so the data is uh, still you know, being formed, I would say the good data, but there's a lot more on vitamin D than vitamin K2, which is the other one that we discover it to be very helpful in COVID-5. What about zinc and vitamin C? Yeah, vitamin C, I would say the least one. Like I can tell you, I myself don't take vitamin C. Uh, I never took vitamin C even during the flu, but it, vitamin D and K2 has, they have way more data, even outside of COVID, uh, uh, about how they help with the immune system, how they dampen inflammation. Remember we talked about tocilizumab, the reason it works is it decreases inflammation. So those two vitamins in particular are too important because they decrease inflammation. C doesn't have such an effect on inflammation. So, so that's, you know, it's a safe vitamin. I mean, it, honestly, a lot of people take it, uh, but, but there's no good data with it. Now zinc, there has been some studies looking at zinc levels when people come to the hospital and also showed that if your zinc is low before you get COVID, you seem to be in trouble. So I would say zinc, there is some data. It's not as strong as with vitamin D so far, but there is some data that your zinc level before COVID ideally is like the best thing to do is to have a good zinc level. So if you have a good vitamin D, good vitamin K2, good zinc level, you're way more likely to be able to fight COVID without ending up in the intensive care unit and, and death from it uh, than if your levels are low. And one of the things we talked about in the past was be careful not to take too much zinc, right? Absolutely. Any vitamin, uh, people love those mega doses, right? They look at it and they think the more the better. Uh, and this is why when we talked about it, zinc, you have to be careful. I would not recommend to anybody more than 25 a day. 25 milligrams a day should be the highest because if you take zinc at very high doses for a long time, you're at risk of having copper deficiency. So you don't wanna fix one thing and end up with a problem, right? And same thing for D. Uh, vitamin D, if you take a lot of it, you can have kidney stones, you can have calcification in the vessels. However, if you take vitamin K2 with the D, what K2 does, it takes the calcium and put it in the bones. So this is why there's a lot of data on vitamin K2 and D in terms of their effect on bone, as well as heart disease to prevent heart disease. Isn't K2 good for bruising as well? Like if you're, if you bruise quite a bit or am yeah. I thinking of something else? No, no, you're thinking about regular K. So, so vitamin K has K1 and K2. Uh, K2 is the better one. And uh, it's tricky because there are some forms of K2 in the market that are cheap, but they don't work. 
So you have to, uh, there is a form called MK7, which is the purest K2 available. It usually comes from Europe, uh, at least the raw material. And that one has the effect on bone, on heart. That's the one that we really, um, uh, we're working, we're planning a study uh, with it to try to prevent COVID. So a large study, hopefully in Cleveland, if we get NIH to fund it, where we can give high doses of vitamin D and K2, uh, and then follow people to see if they get COVID, what would happen. So if I'm going to, to the drugstore to buy K2, what is there anything specific I should look for? So you should look at MK7. That's the form of K2 that I would trust. Like I, you know, as soon as we had the results from my uh, K2 and D study, right away, not just myself, my family, it's like everybody, everybody I know now is getting K2 and D because why not? I mean, when you read about its effect, you're like, why am I not taking it? So uh, all I care about, there are a lot of companies that make it, but if it says MK7, uh, that's a better form of K2 uh, rather than the cheaper ones that honestly do not work as well. Out of the 200 research projects that are under your watch, uh, per se, what are, you, what are you most excited about? Is there anything that worked that's maybe going to be a game changer? Honestly, I mean, I am excited about the vitamin one because um, I'm, I'm writing a book now on vitamin K2 and D because physicians, uh, even more than, you know, lay people uh, do not believe in vitamins. Uh, I don't think that we pay attention to nutrition, to vitamins, to supplements that make sense. So if you ask 100 physicians, probably, you know, 98% of them will say, ah, oh, they don't do anything. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's an area that we need to educate physicians as well as people who are not in the medical field. So I'm writing a book on that. Um, so I'm excited about the K2 uh, and D. Other studies, I'm excited about the oral antiviral. So it's called Upamostat. It's a, uh, like I said, it's once a day. It's a pill. Uh, and the study that we're doing, people will come to see us one time when they enter the study. Everything else is done at home. We give them the meds. They stay home. They take it for two weeks. And we send them home with small gadgets to follow their oxygen, their heart rate. I mean, this is the way to do it during COVID time, not bring people every day for a follow-up. So I'm excited about that study too, because the drug looks very, very good. And we're the second site in the US uh, who's doing the study. It's gonna be only a total of five and UH is the second site that was activated. So I'm excited about that. Dr. McComsey, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. I always learn something. And yes, I'm going to get my K2 with MK7 in it. If you want the vetted and credible info regarding research studies on COVID or any other illness, there's no way in health you want to go to just any website. Check out clinicaltrials.gov. And if you'd like to take part in one of the studies Dr. McComsey was talking about, go to www.uhhospitals.org slash uh hyphen research slash four hyphen patients slash patient hyphen education. 
If you don't have time to rewind to listen to that one again, don't worry. I put the link in the description for this podcast. Follow me at Monica Robbins on Twitter and Instagram and my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC, to learn about upcoming podcasts and health news. And don't forget to check out our content on WKYC.com, the WKYC social media platforms, and the WKYC YouTube channel. Stay well, everyone, and have a healthy week. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.